Hello and welcome. I am so glad you're here. I'm your host, Meg Berryman, and you are listening to the Beyond Being Well podcast, a show dedicated to helping women leaders like you take your wellness journey to your wholeness journey and beyond. Join me as we explore relationships, work, money, health, and purpose, and interview the best of the best in women's empowerment so that you can love deeply, expand fully, and contribute to a better tomorrow. So let's get cozy, settle in, and dive straight into the magic. Hello and welcome. I've decided to relaunch this podcast because I really want a platform to help women leaders like you really practically work on manifesting your desires, catalyzing the inner leader within, and finding just more joy and space and vitality in the lives that we already lead. So my intention for this podcast is to every fortnight share my story, a deep dive into an area that I've worked through where I share vulnerably my own um, pain points and also the tools and practical resources that I've used to work through them and get empowered in that area of my life. And then to follow up, the following fortnight, you'll receive her story, which is an interview with a leading women's empowerment coach, practitioner, or um, just someone, maybe a mama or a woman out there in the world doing something really powerful. And I want to share how she's moved through the same area that I share. And so hopefully by listening to this podcast, you realize a few things. Number one, you are a leader, whether you are a mum, whether you are a leader in your workplace through the other women that you mentor, whether you're a leader in your friendship group or in the community or the broader world, women have an innate ability to lead. And that is not to say that we're out there leading and shouting and being in the front and telling everyone to do what to do. But what I mean by that is that energetically women have this phenomenal capacity to influence people and things and environments around her. She has an innate capacity to lift people up if she can stand in her own power and keep her heart open and she has this beautiful ability to just be herself and to lead from that place and so my intention in all the work that I do is to empower women to understand and awaken that leadership capacity within her and to see not only how it affects others but how it leads to more vitality, less anxiety and just more of that feeling of being really settled and content in your body and your life. So today's episode, I want to share really vulnerably the story of my relationship with my body because the beliefs that we have about our body play a huge part in how we show up in the world and how we lead. And I'm going to share three kind of experiences or 
um, areas or times in my life where I really struggled with my relationship with my body. And as you're listening, I want you to try and pick up on some of the broader themes and beliefs I had going on about my body. And then at the end, I'm going to share some really practical resources and takeaways for you to work with over the next fortnight to start to shift and change that relationship you have with your body so that not only can you experience less anxiety and less overwhelm, but more than that, that you can use her as a vehicle for your expansion and expression in the world because the world does need you and your voice and you do have something to say and the relationship with your body has an enormous impact on how you choose to do that or how you choose not to. So let's go back to my childhood when I had quite a good and healthy relationship with my body. I had a mum that modelled kind of body love and she really saw her body as a vehicle for um for change in the world you know for um how she showed love and how she showed up for others and how she was able to use her body in a positive way to like grow things in the garden And so I never grew up in a home context where my body was shamed, and I feel really grateful for that. However, I did grow up being, I think, probably a bit too sensitive with my emotions, and what I mean by that is that I felt emotions extremely strongly in my body, and whenever I felt an emotion that I didn't feel I had the capacity to kind of stay there, I abandoned my body. I would disassociate through either eating, numbing, um, as, as I kind of developed later, it became overworking. And so I think from a very young age, I dealt with challenge instead of learning tools to stay in my body, I dealt with challenge by leaving it and abandoning it. And that's kind of one of the themes that kept reoccurring over my life. So when I was um, about 12, I started using food as love. And so when I felt overwhelmed, I would feed myself as a way to make me feel more dense in my body and bring me back to earth and to kind of disassociate in a way from the intensity of those emotions and so my weight started to climb and as I entered school I was totally aware that my body didn't look the same as some of the other girls in my class so remember I'd gone from being homeschooled and having a really supportive kind of community of families where that wasn't kind of the body stuff wasn't the primary conversation to a private girls school where that was the conversation and because at that stage too I was beginning to differentiate from my um, immediate attached family to my peers and I was beginning to look to them for my orientation I started to develop kind of this awareness that my weight and my body didn't look right and that kind of 
focusing on what was wrong with my body rather than seeing all the gifts that she was giving me at that time as I developed into a woman rather than seeing my first menstruation as a as a beautiful entry into womanhood and my creative potential I saw that with shame rather than seeing how my body could move and how much very much underneath um, maybe the weight was still an athlete Um, was still that little kid that could move her body so well all I could see was how I compared with other girls and um, I really look back at that time with such tenderness now because I can see how what I perceived at that time was so instrumental in setting up the patterns into my um, future And so through school, my weight fluctuated and my, you know, to be honest, my care factor fluctuated. Um, There was times of more intense kind of loathing and like looking in the mirror and like pushing my tummy in. And then there was periods of like, I was okay with it. And I was kind of like, maybe disassociated from it. Like I just wasn't on my radar. Maybe that was my way of coping too. I remember on the train, you know, before I went to school and I um, would buy a chocolate bar like literally every morning, I think as a way to like energetically prepare myself for what I was walking into and to deal with the kind of anxieties and, and emotions that I felt. And so that pattern of using food as a soothing mechanism continued until I hit uni and at uni, I was drinking a lot. I was um, I was partying a lot. I was working like three or four jobs. I was involved in the student union. I was in my first long-term relationship. And, you know, I think the overwhelm of that kind of pushed me even more into uh, emotional eating. And so by the time I finished my undergraduate degree... I was probably like the heaviest I'd ever been and that was a real wake-up call for me and so when that relationship ended and I really started to feel innately the pull back to wanting to find some equilibrium within my body and to see that reflected on the outside, I started exercising and teaching myself about nutrition and very much from a superficial point of view, I started to um, teach my body, I guess, how to be thinner and that worked for a while but because I hadn't yet addressed the beliefs that I had about my body because I hadn't yet fundamentally understood what my body was the only way I knew how to relate to her was by kind of seeing her as separate punishing her or soothing her And going between these two cycles of punishment and then, you know, letting, letting all the compassion and soothing kind of manifest in eating. And it was a kind of all or nothing approach. And that just wasn't working for me. So as I went through my career, um, and I started kind of, I guess, partying less and focusing more on my productive work, my body became a mechanism through which I could receive validation. And by that, I mean, my body became my fundamental way of receiving um, love based on how productive I could be in the workplace. 
and so the underlying beliefs again were that my body is separate she must be kept on this very strict kind of way of being so that I can show up to work and so that I can receive love and validation there and in my audio series that I recorded over the summer I go a lot more into breaking up with busy and kind of my journey through that but um, I, I got really into fitness and diet at this time when I was living in Canberra and I was traveling a lot with work and I was taking really good care of myself, but still it was through this external lens. It was through this, how people viewed my body and how I should look and, and yes, like being really fit and strong felt awesome, but I still don't think looking back, that was my primary motivation for embarking on those behaviors. So that kind of whole phase of my life was marked with this um, fluctuating weight, this distrust, this feeling that I needed to punish and restrict, and this idea that my body was separate. So carrying on a few years to when I was living in Burma, and um, my gut had started to, when I was back in Canberra, started to show signs that it wasn't coping. And just to remember that our gut is primarily affected not only by what we eat, but it's super affected by stress. And that's not just external stresses. That is the stress that we place on ourselves through our own self-talk. So remember that biochemically and physiologically, our bodies respond to negative thoughts, beliefs, and um, language as if in the same way we were being literally attacked by a tiger. So we release the same chemicals. The fight or flight response is activated in the same way as if there was a legitimate 3D threat or a perceived threat in our minds. And so I think this drive to perform was beginning to manifest in um, kind of gut issues. And again, it was a very superficial fix as I started on. But when I got to Burma and my body literally fell apart. So I was um, flown home to Australia for treatment. I had a laparoscopy to remove an ovarian cyst. I had so many doses of antibiotics to try and treat what they thought was a gut infection, but in all likelihood was just leaky gut and adrenal fatigue caused by this stress and this pressure that I was putting on myself. Um, which led to, you know, autoimmune diseases and not only emotional manifestations of kind of self-criticism, but their biological manifestations of gut issues. So after, you know, four or five courses of metronidazole and other antibiotics, I'd launched fully into rheumatoid arthritis land and I was having a huge um, connective tissue flare-ups and inflammation and my whole body was just kind of breaking down. And the only lens through which I could view this was a lens of being the victim. I kept saying to myself, like, what have I done to deserve this? Why is my body failing me? And all I could think about was getting better so that I could get back to being productive and so that I could get the love and validation that I thought that I needed to feel safe in the world. 
Again, all I could see was how my body was failing me. I couldn't see how all of the responses and the symptoms were just beautiful invitations to change something and to realign my external reality with what my soul was pushing me to do, which was not the work I was doing in the world and definitely not in the way that I was doing it. All I could focus on was how much of a victim I was, how my body had let me down again, how um, how much I was not showing up for my friends in, in other places. And so I guess this period in my life was very painful. And as I began kind of to work on the autoimmune protocol stuff, I started to see some results. But what I knew that I had to do was to really, for the first time in my life, uncover some of the mental patterns that I had created through my own perceptions, which were leading to the stress response being overactivated in my body. And that's when I started to pick apart, you know, why being a woman can cause us to feel so much stress and these questions around how we're being conditioned and how we're perceiving things being really related to the illness that we receive um, and and how we kind of interact with ourselves and others in the world. And that's where my meditation practice came in. And I was lucky enough to be able to take, quit my job and take some time out and become a yoga teacher and go on this huge kind of spiritual awakening and physical um, healing journey, which has kind of lasted until now when I feel like I'm, I'm in a new cycle now, which I'll talk about in a minute. But... I I had to unpick the mental patterns and the emotional beliefs in order to start to understand why this illness had come and to reframe it in a positive way. And now I look back and I am so grateful for that time because something so drastic like not being able to get out of bed... I literally had to have a wake-up call of that magnitude in order to make me stop and slow down and be more intentional in what I was creating in my reality and how I was showing up in my values as well. So the third kind of period in my life um, that's of relevance here is kind of the post post-autoimmune or recovery and then going into making babies and this is when I think I'd done enough of the internal mental work and I had a significant meditation practice where I could keep separate in my awareness my physical sensations from my thoughts from my emotions and I could understand how obsessing about negative things about my body would have very real implications for my physical symptoms, but also for my feeling state. And so I had enough awareness as I went into pregnancy to have some really good tools to work with as I, as I kind of 
had developed severe morning sickness, uh, which put me on my ass again and came back to the same cycle of my body's letting me down. Everyone else is doing so well with pregnancy and I, my body's crap. I couldn't see the freaking miracle that it is to be able to create a whole being in your uterus. Like it is phenomenal. And I think so much of this suffering could have been avoided if I had a really clear idea of what my body is. And my body is simply the vessel through which my soul is having a human experience. And I really believe that she is a vessel through which I get to experience through my five senses, all the pleasure and pain that comes with having a human experience. And so how can one hate that when that is the vehicle through which we can see the sunset or smell our little baby's head or laugh with our best friend until our diaphragm hurts or feel the touch of grass underneath our feet or feel the sun on our skin like how could we hate that how could we hate something that has innately the potential to grow and create not only babies but artistic things that has a potential to allow us to sing and put our pen to paper as women we are inherently creative beings and our body is the vessel through which that is expressed so how could we possibly hate that based on a conditioning that isn't true based on a lie that our bodies are only what they look like and how other people perceive them and so as I went through pregnancy that underlying trust started to build and after the birth of my first baby you know a beautiful water birth natural water birth I started to be like fuck this is amazing and there is potentiality in here that I have missed because I've been obsessing about what is wrong and so that allowed me the impetus to learn how to stay in my body despite strong emotion And I learned that through working with a really great therapist after my baby was born and I was dealing with some postpartum anxiety and rage. And I worked with her and she taught me how to stay with the emotion for long enough that it would pass. And she taught me how to stay in discomfort without needing to reach for food or reach for busyness or um, make it blame someone else and make it judgment. And that was a really profound period in my life where I had to confront again a lot of shadow, but where I really lent into the light and what my body could create and what she could do. And and that relationship with my body started to affect my relationship with my deeper self, with my soul and how that was being expressed in the world. And that is kind of led me into my second pregnancy where I went through the same cycle of, oh my God, my body's letting me down. But each time I cycled back to this, I had new tools, I had new awareness, I had a new understanding and a new framework through which to understand that old emotional patterning. So what are the themes here and how can you start to shift your relationship with your body? I just want to say kind of my relationship now is one where 
I'm able to stay in her and be really grounded in her for most of the time, which is a huge thing because when there's anxiety and shame and unexpressed emotion and we haven't really learned to be with that, what happens is we're often wanting to escape and disassociate and we spend a lot of our time in kind of our mental energy and our and our thinking minds as a way of escaping the perceived pain that's in our body, physical or emotional. And so my relationship now is that I can stay with that discomfort, which is really profound because the more you can stay in your body, the more you can experience the pleasure of life, right? You can't experience the the sensuality of life, the pleasure of life when you're like always looking for an out, when you're always looking to abandon, when you're always looking to escape or soothe or numb. And so the benefit of doing this work with someone and empowering this part of your life is that you get to experience more of life in the present moment. You get to stay with your kids even when you want to escape and do chores. You get to stay and be present with your friends and your colleagues and hold space for them without needing to fix them when you are an open vessel and you can allow emotions to come and go. And I think that's the real key that I want you to take away from this. So what did I learn? I learned number one, I am not my body. My body is a vessel for my soul having this human experience. So really operating only on this superficial understanding of I need to fix my body and judge her and push her and malle- like make her malleable is only looking at kind of the tip of the iceberg of what she is. And when you change your understanding, you change the way you relate to her and you change the way that you look after and nourish her. Number two, look at the context that you're being fed and the stories that you've embodied about your body. Look at social media and what the images are and do a cleanse of all the shit in your context that is making you feel like your body is not the sacred, amazing, incredible thing that she is. And the last thing to note is that your body is a vessel for pleasure. And as women, we seem to have this conditioning that we're not allowed to experience pleasure or there's a limit on what we can experience. When you can learn to be in your body and be embodied, you get to experience the joys and the pleasures of life, as well as being able to navigate the challenges when they arise. And that is why we are here. We are here to experience all of life's potentiality and to manifest our desires. And that is not selfish because when you are in that state, you are the best catalyst for other people's awakening and to love unconditionally others because you love unconditionally yourself. And this is why I'm always talking about translating the inner work to the outer work, to the how, to the big changes we want to see in the world. And I know from experience that when I work with women on empowerment, the people in their relationships and their colleagues and their families and their friends and their families are allowed permission to be empowered as well and that that flow-on effect is going to change the world because the more women that are empowered, the more women that understand their leaders, 
the more we're going to shift to a more feminine um, way of being, which is much kinder, much more sustainable, much more collaborative, and is much more kind of in tune with Mother Earth and her vibration. So consider, how do you want your relationship to be with your body? What is your relationship with your body and what are some of the underlying beliefs that are preventing you from inhabiting her fully? If you were in your body, what would you be allowed to express and expand into? And finally, what's the context that you're surrounding yourself with every day and what are the messages that you're receiving and how can you change those inputs? How can you change your social media feed to be more body positive? How can you stop reading celebrity magazines and instead look at real women? How can you stop the thought patterns of focusing on the negative and start to appreciate the positive and all that she is? I hope that this has been some prompts to start to really love on your body in the way that she deserves. I hope that you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you next time. See you later. For more inspiration, connection, and exclusive invites to coaching and retreat opportunities, go to my Insta page at Meg J Berryman or www.beyondbeingwell.com.